Welcome to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast, hosted by David London. David is a posture and mobility expert, yoga teacher, and certified online trainer. This podcast is about empowering deskbound professionals, how to live their healthiest life, and move pain-free. Now, let's dive into this episode. In the sum of the parts, there are only the parts. And that is the theme of the episode today. I'm here with Matt Vernon talking about mobility. Super excited for this episode. He's a mobility coach I look up to, and I'm a mobility coach myself. I low-key call him the GOAT because he's pretty pretty freaking mobile, so I'm super excited to have him here. We're just going to chat about our movement philosophies. We're going to help explain what functional range conditioning is and go into a lot of the myths and a lot of the bullshit people here in the stretching world. So... Oh, happy to have you here happy to be here so yeah tell us what does that quote mean to you so it's from the first time that i heard it i actually had read it some time back like many years ago from uh, an author named wallace stevens and it's from a poem he did i think it's called on the long road home or on the road home and at the time i knew nothing about mobility i knew nothing about movement so to me it spoke to something else and in the quote he references to the fact that like words are things of themselves and they are parts of this thing that form language and there is no mother word of which these words are a part to me that means that the value of each word can be infinitely different and it can be used in infinitely different ways based on tone based on inflection based on context all these things but they still must interact with all these other words to form you know will be a coherent thought um there are single words that would be that could represent that but in the whole the the, the utility of a word is to be used in conjunction with other words to form these things in which we express ourselves. And in terms of mobility, I heard it again at the 2000 and the, the very first summit that the FRS organization put together, Dre quoted it. He said, in the sum of the parts, there are only the parts. The second he said that, everybody in the fucking room, you felt the energy go, whoa. Wow. Like, we all like, because if you are part of the FRC community, that just made so much fucking sense to you. It just, it was just so, it just had a visceral reaction, I think, inside of all of us who were like, holy shit, right? Because to us, when we think of movement as a whole, we don't think about um, the thing that, that is represented. We think, what does it take to make that possible for, the, for that human to accomplish and for that human to do it um, appropriately for their body? A lot of times that we just have these physical tasks that we set forth whether an exercise, movement, mobility, or expression of self. And we complete the task, but the parts that we need to complete that task were not present or were not engaging in the way that they were supposed to. And that's, that's a really, really powerful quote. And it actually opens a lot of eyes for me here too, like in understanding, you know, optimizing movement. So I really like how you heard that quote before you were even into mobility right. coaching. Yeah. So what was the yeah. journey like for you? I know you've been doing FRC since I believe around yeah. 2016. Were you always into health and fitness? I, um, no, I was not. <laughs> so for a lot, I mean, for a long time, I, I, there were times where I dabbled with like going to the gym with my friends and like, you know, trying to run around the neighborhood and, um, I, it never really worked out for me and I never did well. I went to prison for a 10 year stretch, 10 and a half year stretch in 2003, 2004. And you know, when you get to prison, you really like the thing is the weight pile, right? And sort of that's where status is either earned or um, taken. And for me, it was also like a huge stress reliever. 
but I never really got into exercise until uh, I went upstate. And it was when I went upstate that like, I just felt this thing with that. And now I was in a place where my head was fucked up. My soul was fucked up and I could always fight. Like I grew up fighting, right? I got hands, feet, and elbows and knees, but like when you're there, that's not what people will see. So people would try me and then I'd like, fuck, I gotta go to the hole. I gotta throw this motherfucker on his head. And uh, you know, because I wasn't strong on the weights. Like I was weak as hell. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, but then I got good at that. And I started coaching people to do that. And I started to like intuitively piece these things together about humans. And I would go to the library and I would look these things up uh, with the resources that I had. And I would like look at the men's fitness and muscle magazines. And um, you know, that is the really rudimentary um, way in which I started doing this, I guess. Yeah, that's quite an inspiring story how you used your own body as a tool to kind of help others and help yourself learn more about human movement. Right. You didn't know I was going to tell you I was been to prison, huh? That shit threw you for a loop. You're like, what did you just say? No, nah, that's, that's definitely inspiring, man, that you, you're definitely somebody I look up to the way you teach movement. I'm sure a lot of your students do as well. So Appreciate de- definitely an inspiring story. So did you have like, was there any research that stood out to you at the beginning? Like what was the time frame between that and when you found out about FRS? So I got out in 2013, January, and everybody was telling me that I needed to go to university because there were actually people that wanted to give me money to go to school. So while I was in there, a private donor actually paid for me to get my associate's degree if I stayed out of trouble. So I got my associate's degree in there, and then when I came out, people, everybody was like, you have to go to the university. Like, you just have to go to school. So I was like, okay. So I went to school and I got all these credits and I was there for a little bit. Like none of it excited me. And like, I just didn't know which way I was going to go. So I was like, I'm going to take a semester off. I'm going to figure this out. I'll train in the meanwhile. And, um, you know, and then when I go back to school, I'll figure out what I really want to do. So I started training in, uh, it was like November or something, December of 2013. And then I moved to San Francisco in May of 2014. So I had a transfer parole over here. I, had a, I didn't have anywhere to stay. I was sleeping in the gym on the floor on the air mattress for some time. And I literally, I had a, my mom had an old Vitamix that I brought with me. And I was literally living off of like vegetables and protein powders and like these uh, canned baked beans. <laughs> right. So, um, and I did that for 19 months. I was at that job for 19 months. And I learned a lot from the guy that owned the place. And I learned how to run the gym. I was basically the only person there. And it was a small group, a personal training studio. So that means I had four to six people and they all had individual programs of which I was responsible for. And I was coaching all four to six at the same time doing their uh, own programs. In that way, I got really good at the traditional exercise part. I got really sharp at like noticing things about movement and being able to cue people quickly, uh, whether with a touch or with words or, you know, calling attention to something and after that I went off on my own and I did that for like from January of 2016 until December which is when I took the FRC when I took the FRC in December of 2016 everything fucking changed I walked out of there with fucking I just like I I was like one I was like you know how you look back and like damn I can't believe I was doing that shit like, you know, something you did. Oh, 100%. Ago, you're like, yeah. You're like, oh, I, I did that. I can't believe I did that. You're one of those. <laughs> I felt that way about almost everything that I did after leaving that far seat. And it made so much. And um, it's almost like wisdom is usually found in the simple things, right? Mm-hmm. Like people will say something to you and you're like, oh, my God, like 
that makes all the fucking sense. Like, why didn't I think about that? Or why didn't I do that? Right. And everything, almost everything that, uh, so there were the main tenants of FRC and all those things felt like that to me. So then I came back and then, um, it also made me much more critical in the information I consumed because before I came on board, my, my previous boss was like, I need you to get up. I'm like, this, he sent me all this stuff by Mike Boyle to do all this stuff by Dean Somerset, all this stuff by Dan John, all this stuff by like Tony Gentlecore, all these people, all, Eric Cressy, like, you know, are, are thought of as like, uh, the top dogs in, in our industry. Right. And I paid for all their shit. I learned all their shit. I paid attention to everything they did. I scoured the internet for shit that like from way back. I found everything they did. I learned everything they talked about. I, I utilized it in practice and uh, I was keeping track, but there was always to me something. I was like, I need to go and take a course on like assessments because if I do assessment, then I'll know how to correct these things that I'm seeing that I don't like. And so I was like, okay, maybe it's the FMS. So I paid for the FMS shit and I took, I was like, that shit don't make any sense to me. It doesn't really, doesn't really seem effective. So then my, I was working with a sports chiropractor, really smart guy, Dr. Anthony Gustin, who has his, a, a whole different business now. He does perfect keto, but he, so he had the SFMA, he had the manual and he asked, Hey, can I, can I use this? He's like, yeah, but technically I think that's out of your scope. He said, yeah, can I just look at it and learn it though? He's like, yeah, take it. So I took that and I looked at it. I was like, this makes a little bit more sense. Really, uh, really detailed but really complicated for me as well. Um, Cause I don't come from that background. Right. And that clinical background. So I was like, so I tried to utilize some of that stuff and um, I was like, okay, it did some stuff, but I, to me, I thought there was some type of course that I could take where it was like, if this is wrong, this is the exact thing you do and it will fix it. Right. Like if your squat looks shitty, then do this, this or that. Yeah. And a lot of times that's what you see too on social media. If you're like three exercises to fix your squat when really it's just exactly. like, like that's so, so like general when in reality, like I, I, I fall into that category. I used to do that too. Cause before I learned about like that, like this type of a functional range conditioning, I always thought, cause you know, I worked in a, in a commercial gym too. You just gotta, you know, use a squat with bands around your knees and stretch your hips. Yeah. But really <laughs> There's so much more to it. <laughs> that was the thing, right? No, that's really that was really the approach, and that was really like the tools we had at hand. So I was really upset by that. And but when I so I thought it was an assessment course that I needed to take. It wasn't an assessment. I mean, it wasn't that. I took the FRC, and then all of a sudden, the questions that I had were answered. But then I had a whole bunch more. Like then, but I left with ten times more questions. And it was at that point, like I was like, okay. So I started to read. So I went into the website. I listened to lectures all the time. Anything he talked about that I didn't understand, I wrote it down. And then I went and looked it up. I paid college, I paid like university professors, like hourly, uh, you know, like neurology professors, like professors teaching neurology, like um, exercise science people, like physiology. I went and paid these people like to talk to them. Like on, I was, like I was reaching out to people cold from the university website saying, hey, can I pay you for an hour <laughs> to pick your brain about something? And That's a really that's smart idea, actually. A lot of people should do that. So I went and bought, like, I first started buying used textbooks. First of all, actually, it's expensive anyway. And, um, and, and, like, I just realized how much time it was going to take for me to be proficient at these things. And I was like, that's just not feasible for, for, for me being affected with my people. I was like, how else can I do this? And I was like, and then I was just like, let me go start, like, find the people that know about it. Let me find the people that are smart about it. Let me talk to them about it. Let me pay them to talk to them about it, right? And, um, and then I dug like some people out of my own sort of uh, Rolodex, I guess you could say that knew about these things. And I had, I was training one, one woman who was actually like a neuroscience researcher. 
uh, who's like down at UCLA or USC now. So I would like ask her questions during session and like, you know, like I was, I was sometimes purposely say wrong shit to get her to like explain, no, not, that's not how it works. This is how it works. I'm like, you know, so like in this way, I was just like slowly feeling my way, trying to figure all these things out. And something about me is I'm extremely obsessive. Um, I probably have like some, at least a mild form of OCD to some degree where like, I just can't let shit go. I can't, like, it will keep me up at night if I don't like get it or if something doesn't make sense to me. So that served me in, um, learning about this stuff for sure. Yeah. That's the, quite the intensive process. And a lot of times that's why we're able to help so many people because we've done so much research and it was actually the other day I was doing a, a zoom session with a client and I show them some you know some basic mobility stuff active range some pasture range stuff after we did an assessment and like it really gives you a lot of humility because it's like I'm showing him something basic that that seems basic to me but really a lot of people don't know that information just like wow like we really have tools to actually get people results instead of you know giving this stuff that isn't gonna work yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, there's a lot of smart people around me. Um, and like, so I didn't start using Instagram until like just uh, literally like not even really after I took that first. I kind of started and then I didn't really get into it like until just a couple of years ago. And it was really at sort of the encouragement of other people. Um, Anthony Gusson being one of them, the chiropractor I told you about. And he was just like, because to me, just like you were saying, it just seems basic, right? Anything that I talk about just really feels basic to me. Or it feels like this is just common sense. But we have to remember that people don't spend their days doing what we do. People don't spend their time learning what we learn. People don't get interested in what we do, but that stuff serves them. And if you know one thing that the other person doesn't, you can help that person. If you have one thing, at least one thing you can help that person with. And anybody who's a trainer, no matter how shitty or, or, or new you are, you have one thing that can help that other person. So like you should always, you should always talk about it. You should always share it. And uh, if, but you know, to me, the intention is important. So if your intention is to help people and you use what you think works and it might not be accurate, that's, that's not as big of a file. But if you know that you're providing bullshit information and you're just doing it because you want attention and you want money, I'm going to come after you and I'm going to snipe you. Like that's yeah. some clown shit. I hate that shit. Yeah, and that's got a big voice to call out a lot of the trolls. There's a lot of trolls who are like against FRC, and again, the FRC's functional range conditioning, which we'll go into more a little bit about it. But he's really been helpful because I've been every time I talk to our, our our mutual friend Byron about it, I get like 20 more questions every time we hear, I ask him one question, and then I got to yep. do a lot more research. Yep. So, I, and a lot, but there's just so many people against it. And I just feel like all our job at the end of the day is mobility coaches. Yeah. Just to get people a specific outcome, whether that be improving mobility, body awareness, and getting, you know, 100%. living pain-free. There's just, 100%. you know, there needs to be less of that, like, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. It's just Let's just get our clients results. Like, we don't need to justify, yeah. like, why a specific stretch is going to get your result. As long as we understand the anatomy and the thought process, it's not like, oh, doing this passive stretch isn't what the research says. It's not the best stretch for your hamstring. Well... Look, like there's a million and two ways to, to get more mobile. Also, there's a million and two ways to read the research. Yeah. Right? And then, like, there's so much research. Which research are you referring to? And it's like, and again, like, everybody, everybody will require something different. Every body needs something a little different. Every, and every human has a different history. Right? Both psychological and physical. 
So these are all things that we need to pay attention to. And in terms of like these people that, so to me, if somebody says something that I don't agree with, like, okay, that's cool. Or like they do something that's not the way that I think it, it would, uh, it would, is the safe or appropriate way to do it. Like, that's what they do. That's fine. Um, but to me, like if your intention is wrong, like then I'm going to, I'm going to lock in on that. If your intention is not wrong, then I want to have a discussion about that. Right. Because I could be wrong. You could be right. I don't know. But this is what I believe. So this is what I believe. And this is why. So let's talk about what you believe, because if your way is better, I want to know what that way is. If your understanding is better, I want, I want to learn about that. And in better, I don't mean like um, which holds more value, but I mean, does that have the potential to help somebody more or help somebody that I can't currently help? All right. Yeah, and I think it's cool because a lot of times, too, like you can't just do, you know, Exactly like you said, you can't just follow a 12-week flexibility program that you just buy. It's got to be something that, that you can use as a tool to kind of adapt because, like, I could give one thing to one client. It could not work for the other. Like, for me, for exactly. example, like, like I've got an issue with my hamstring right now, so maybe some of the mobility I was doing before isn't even appropriate for me now. Yeah, it's, and that's, we know that's quite possible, right? Because things change as, as a, because of what we are. We are, we are always, always um, traveling towards entropy. Like our job in the universe is to dissipate energy, is to dissipate force. And if because of that, like the, the second that you're born, you're starting, you, you, you've got a fucking expiration date. Like there's an end date on that. You're continually traveling towards that date from the second that you're born. And that date entails that you're traveling towards disorganization, disorganization and chaos. We are continually traveling towards entropy unless we do something to mitigate it. Because of the way that the human organism is set up, you can't do that by doing a wholesale approach with anybody. It's just, that's just not how it works. If you work at a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel your best, let's get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for David's coaching program. Connect with us through all the social platforms and see the show notes below. Yeah, one thing I noticed too is people like, a lot of people I work with, they'll be desk-bound professionals. They'll sit a lot, and they'll be like, you know, 35, 40, in that age range, you know, mid, mid-age, mid and they haven't moved their entire life, and they're like, what can I – and they, they think stretching for an hour a day is just going to fix their problems, but really there's so much more to it. It's not just the stretching. It's, you know, it's the stretching. It's the mindset. It's the consistency. Like, people think there's just one stretch that's going to improve their posture or one exercise when really it's like a – it's a whole like it's a whole thing. Are you sleeping right? Are you eating right? How, like, what's your stress? What is your stress uh, response when you think about this thing throughout the day? Right? There's so much involved in that that it's just like what that's just like you're saying. When I meet somebody and I don't know them, they find out what they do. Like, oh, I have this thing. What's the best stretch for me to do for that? And it's like I don't really know how to answer that question, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because like, what am I supposed to say? Like, like, oh, I have, I have a tight hamstring. So what's my best stretch? So I was like, well, I don't like. Why, why are they tight? Yeah, why are they tight? Is it a mechanical issue? Is it a neurological issue? Like, how did it get there? Is injury involved? Like, what is, what are the parts above and below it do? I don't know. Like, there's no answer for that. You know, I think it's the way people too are are kind of taught to just look for you know, look for something to fix the symptoms instead of finding the root cause. I feel like like Western medicine, that's the way we've been brought up is just yeah. take a medication. Whereas with the body, it's really you got to look at referred pain patterns, like you said, neurological mobility in the whole body. Like I really like how FRC is about, you know, the feet up, like really foc- focusing on those feet and ankles. Yeah. 
Yeah, we have a saying in the system, make shit work nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Dreism. Uh, but basically, like, just make all your shit work nice, and then you'll, you'll be okay, right? Because we, you've probably been there, too. I know before I was, like, really fucking into the, like, okay, well, if, if your low trap on this side doesn't do, do this, oh, 100%. Doesn't do this on that side, then, then on the opposite side, and this and this and that. But what are we really saying? We're saying that I want everything to work nice. I want my joints to do what they're going to do. So why don't I just make look at that joint, see what it does, see what it doesn't do, then do what we know about the body and the brain and the way shit works to make it do those things. To me, that's a much easier approach and there's much less room for error and it's a much easier process to learn. So would you mind breaking down some of the, the core principles of, you know, FRC and CARS and those gross compensation patterns? For sure. For sure. So... The base of the, the system is this. Like I said, make shit work nice. That means we approach everything from a joint-specific uh, standpoint. That means I assess every joint separately. Every joint, I must know what's the passive range of motion, which represents to us the potential to create movement in there or to create a space within that joint to control. And what's this active range of motion, which means how, how comfortable is your brain using that joint to what degree and how much of it. Once I know that, then I ask you to do a CAR, which is a controlled articular rotation. Controlled articular rotation entails that you take um, whatever joint you want to, you can insert any joint there and make it use every single range of motion that it should inherently possess. For example, a hip should flex, it should adduct, it should extend, it should abduct, it should internally rotate, and it should externally rotate. So if your hip doesn't do one of those things, by definition, you don't have a hip, right? And if you don't have a hip, then the first thing we do is give you a hip. So anyway, sorry. So cars are like a, a thing that we do every day because cars ask you to use a whole range. Of, it's, an, it's, an articulate, it's an articular rotation of the outer ranges of movement for any joint. When you do that, a lot of things happen. When you do that, you keep the neuro, neurological familiarity with that range. So you maintain your range of motion, which means like whatever you can norm, already use, you keep that. Keep, you maintain the ability to do that. Also, remember that the deepest layers of the joint don't have uh, good blood flow or vascularity. So the only way to, for them to get like the fluid they need, the nutrition they need, is to move at the outer ranges of uh, your current limitation. You need to diffuse movement through there uh, from the muscle. Like it has to move and, and send the nutrition in there. That's the only way they can get that nutrition. It's also a daily assessment because when I do a car, I will know exactly – what that joint does or does not do. And because of that, I then know what to do. Because of that, I know specifically where to focus. I can also start to correlate it to the other activities I've been doing and know what type of cost my activities have on my body so that I can mitigate those costs and uh, help to mitigate injury and keep myself feeling better and doing my activity for longer. CARS is the base of the system. Anybody who does FRS stuff has to do CARS. If you don't do CARS every day, you're not with a real FRS practitioner. And unfortunately, like, there's just a lot more of those at this point because so many people have taken the certification. But FRC, FRS is really a detailed thought process and a system that basically covers all of joint health. What tips do you have for people who are having trouble, you know, really getting consistent with their mobility practice? Because I see it all the time. Like, people be like, I'm not getting results, but... You know, are you doing the cars every day? Are you using that properly? Like, it, it can be hard without a coach to really know what to do when you're doing the cars and you feel stuck. But after a certain time, you're going to educate yourself. You know, this is going to help me improve my internal rotation of my shoulder. And then everything yeah. your coach shows you, you can use as a tool. 
I would say, so this is where, and this is a quick detour is, I think it's important for coaches to learn about habit change and like the science of habits. Um, so we know that there are things entailed with that. So usually if I, I, that's part of my job as a coach is cueing in on this person. Does this, is this person going to have an issue creating this habit, right? And if they do, then I need to take the appropriate steps. The very first appropriate step is start small. Make it so, make it such an easy win that, that, that person is encouraged by that win. Our language is important when we do that. So if I have a person, like you said, the person you said like 35 to 40 never moved in their life, right? And I say, hey, I want you to do your cars every day. Cool. A week later, oh, I might've done it once or twice. I think I did this one, I didn't, bam. I know where that person is, right? I say, okay, do me a favor. Do one shoulder car a day and then for this next week, and then let's check in again. Like, that's it, yeah, that's it. If that person, if that's too much for that person, I might say, hey, do a half a shoulder car once a day. Yeah, do one once shoulder car while you're, while you're sitting at your desk. Yeah, that's it, right? I make it so easy. And then, I, and like that person, whatever it is that they like to do, like let's say they like to watch a funny cat video or like they like to have some kind of treat or something, right? I'm gonna direct them to have that, uh, have that immediately after they do their thing. I will also have, uh, depending on the person, alarms in their phone. I will also have um, have them tell people in their immediate circle, say, hey, if I don't, like for example, just an example, if I don't do this every day for the next 30 days, I'm gonna eat a can of dog food on the table in front of you. Because like to me, when if you're wasting time, once we start working together, like that is going to bug the hell out of me. So. And I'm going to take whatever measures that might be, even if it's like you worrying about having to eat a can of dog food in front of your friends, right? And we know that habit change is easier to form when we fear a consequence as opposed to look for a reward. So I want to put both of those things in because the research on that shows us that both those things are important. And then um, after that, I'll just, uh, the, the other thing would be just do it at the same time every day. So like the second you wake up, move one thing. The second I wake up, I'm already doing an ankle car. The second I wake up, I'm already articulating my shoulder blades, like literally. And now I don't think about it and it just happens. Sometimes I roll over in my sleep and I do like an isometric contraction in my hip as I roll over, right? <laughs> on the other side and I'm like, I do a little bit of eye. It's like, it just becomes a habit because we should be habitually doing these things. Our bodies are built to be moving all the time. Our bodies are built to uh, survive, like survive based on how well we can move. And we should really think about that. Literally, our bodies are built to survive based on how well we can move and how well we can form complex adaptable movements. Our brain only exists because we need to move to acquire things. That's the only reason it exists. It, didn't, it doesn't exist to like, um, like do math and, and like make music and shit like that or like talk about complex subjects. It's formed to create highly uh, complex adaptable movements. That's what our brain exists for. Yeah, and that's, that's, really, that's really the fundamental and a lot of people don't see it like that. Like people see you know, being active and moving well and articulating the joints is, you know, something hippy jippy extra that they can do as part of their life when really you need that to move well if you want to age well. Like I know I'm going to be doing calisthenics for the rest of my life. I'm going to be doing muscle ups well into my 80s. I just got to keep Hell up my yeah. joints. Like I'm so tired of this. I have a bad shoulder. I have a bad back, but maybe it's not that you have a bad back. Maybe that, you know, you never spent time working on it. So it's 100%. not this it's not necessarily where we're calling you out, but we're calling you out. Yeah. 
Like, oh, my shoulder hurts. I got a bad shoulder. Well, what have you done for that shoulder? Oh, I went to PT and I was doing this thing and they gave me this band and I was doing this. I was like, how long did you do that for? Eight weeks. And what happened? Oh, it, it didn't hurt as much. So I left it alone. So why would you have a good shoulder? Like, what did you do to get it? What did you do to earn a good shoulder? You didn't do anything to earn that good shoulder. And to me, it's really, it's disheartening to me when, because we have the flip side. I know you've seen this too. You have the flip side of that too, where somebody's put in all the effort, even did extra pass, like, uh, you know, what their practitioner asked them to do. And they didn't get better because the person providing them the information didn't provide them the right information. Right. So a lot of people that I get have been all over, like have seen numerous practitioners. Some people have been even like traveled out of the country more than like several times for relief in whatever issue. And um, that's the population that I, that I work with often. And all the time, like when I have to list, cause I have to listen to the history. I have to know what people have done. I have to know what they haven't done. I need to know like, Think to myself, why would that person have done that? Why did they tell you they did that? I have to look up all, I have to know all these things. And then when I hear the shit that people are doing and charging people money for, I, it fucking makes me sick to my goddamn stomach. Like you knew fucking full well that uh, injecting this bullshit into this person's knee wasn't going to fix their knee. You knew full well that putting the fucking electric stem pads on somebody's uh, shoulder or spine wasn't going to fix shit. You knew that that goddamn uh, do this for eight weeks with the, with the rubber band was only going to take them so far. And yeah. people are satisfied with providing that type of service and charging people money for it. And it's affecting people's lives and people's happiness and people's ability to feel fulfilled and spend time with their families and do their jobs and do the activities they enjoy. You're stealing valuable um, things from their life when you do that shit. Yeah, because we really need to empower people with active solutions long term. Yes. Like a lot of the times, like, you know, if you've never stretched in your entire life and you come to work with either of us, like I'm obviously going to start off with something, like you said, something easy. And there'll probably be some static stretching because maybe you just need to, you know, yeah. get moving. It doesn't always need to be, you know, the hardest thing first. But really, just like you I said, like with my clients, like, like even if you're just stretching your pec on your chair or on a doorway, you know, for 30 yeah. seconds and you've never done that before, I'm sure as hell you, you're going to feel a ton of, you know, it's still some stimulus yeah. to the brain. And I'm sure you're still going to feel a big stretch. And people just want that one thing without realizing they're all tools to put that Rubik's Cube together. 100%. 100%. Um, just like you were saying, like sometimes I'll, like that will be like, because you'll hear me say all the time that stretching is not enough, right? And then I'll get somebody, so this has hap actually happened to me like uh, right before COVID. I, somebody found me on Instagram. I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't have room on my schedule, but like I keep a little bit of space to like, you know, see people just for like quick consults or whatever. So this person found me on Instagram, was not able to find relief on a specific thing with uh, like some low back stuff. And like the hip doesn't move at all. Like their hip has zero rotation. So I was like, That's let's wild. just start. Yeah. So and I, after talking to them about the history and like reading what they sent me, I realized like I can't have this person doing a bunch of stuff. Also, this person is uh, is older. Right. And I was like, well, let's just start by by doing this uh, once or twice a day. Do you feel like that's cap you're capable of doing that? Like, yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah, I could probably do that. At least half of that. I was like, cool. And it's literally just having them like internally like uh, resting their foot on the floor and slowly dropping their knee towards the ground while their hand guides it slightly just to look for like the smallest degree of rotation. For, and uh, he's like, what, that's all I got to do? I'm like, just for now. He's like, but you're always saying that stretching isn't enough. I'm like, 
And then in this moment, I have to figure out how to communicate to this person like, hey, if I give you too much, you're not going to do shit and you're going to walk away and you're going to be fucked up for life, right? Because like, he's whatever's left of that life. And I was like, so in my head, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's true. But or so in my head, I'm thinking how to say this. And I just told him, hey, that's true. Absolutely true. This is not enough. But it's where you start for now. And it's just for now. Like, this is your appropriate entry point. Everybody's in a different place. And everybody has to enter in different places. For now, this is where your hip needs to enter at. And, you know, so we might have some other stuff later on that you could enter in um, at a higher level. But really, as a coach, you know that in that time, it's just that that's what's appropriate for that person. That's how that person's going to win. If you don't give that person that first small win, they won't, they, they're not going to keep going and, and get the things we want them to get, to do the things we want them to do. No, 100%. You got to start small with the little things. Yeah. And like those even details that, matter. All those details matter. Like even now, like I don't spend like an hour in the morning. Like I wake up. Like right now, my, my traps are a little sore from doing a lot of muscle-ups yesterday. So all I really did was some, some thoracic spine mobility and a little bit of foam rolling just to get some blood flow in the morning. I don't like... Like and I, I'm I'm accumulating my other you know cars throughout the day. Yeah, I did a bit of hips there. You don't necessarily have to do everything in the morning, but really I think the big thing for people is to just be aware. And then if you're you're sitting at your desk and you're starting to catch yourself slouching, you have some tools in your toolkit, and you can just you know try one thing. Yeah. So like opposed to me just sitting here all the time, I could easily just stop, open up, and extend. I might rotate a little bit. Right. It's so easy to start to look for movement if you give if we start to give our people. The options to do so right if we start to call uh, call attention to the times where they can insert movements then that's become so much more valuable for them that starts though with us looking for those things because we won't know those things unless we look for them right mm -hmm. yeah it's really cool stuff and i'd also like to how a lot of principles from strength training really show us that the frs stuff is really just strength training because i know you talk you talk about isometrics play a big role in your training and a lot of times it's just like you know high intensity contractions and accommodating resistance and i find it really cool because people are always looking like the trend before was like mobility wad and just do a banded stretch and let it pull you for two minutes and like everyone was only doing banded stretching for like at least like four or five years we go on a quick tangent yeah two or three years ago kelly starrett kept coming across my feed and he kept saying, use this foam rolling technique to break up scar tissue uh, and all this, like some other stuff. I right? was like, if, if you do this, like blah, blah, blah. So like I was polite the first couple times. I was like, hey, that's not my understanding of the way it works. Can you direct me to the information that, that shows that it breaks up any type of tissue? No response. Comes across my feet again. I'm nice and polite. I'm like, hey, uh, I saw that this is a couple, I've seen this a couple of times now. I'm, I'm pretty sure that foam rolling doesn't break up or release any type of scar tissue and furthermore how, how are you ascertaining what type of tissue you're breaking up no response so finally like it comes across my feet four or five times and two of my people actually sent it to me and said hey should i buy this right two completely new people they're like should i buy this and i was like no you should not buy this like, that's <laughs> bullshit. so finally i i come in and say not this shit again you fuck face and i put a middle finger emoji so a couple <laughs> days later, I get a DM from some fucking asshole named Travis something in like Iowa or some shit. First of all, this motherfucker's <laughs> talking real tough to me in the DM. And uh, he, like all of his information is available online. That's really stupid. And uh, so he's talking really tough to me online. He's like, oh, you wouldn't say that to Kelly's face. You know, I see you're right in San Francisco. Why do I, I mean, say, hey, how do I set up an appointment to do so? I would love the opportunity to talk to him face to face and figure this out. And so we go back and forth a while. And he's talking real tough to me. 
And finally, I was like, go fuck yourself, right? Like, whatever. That day, I saw the ad come back across my Instagram, and they had completely changed the ad. <laughs> <laughs> completely changed the ad. So that was my win for the little guys. Yeah, I remember I bought the book, The Supple Leopard. It literally, oh, it, was, it was it was 100 me pages too. of foam rolling. Uh, and you have to squat this way. Get yeah. The get the feet here. If you can't squat here, you're, you know, I actually have a person who really hurt. I was like, I shouldn't say, who followed that advice and was and was fucked up for years, six years, just like fucked up and convinced that he was like, he was doing like, he was not doing it right, but he was trying to, and he was convinced that it was his fault. And this leads to a whole host of other things, right? Think about that. Like you've been told by this expert that if you do these things this way, you'll get better. And then every time that you do it and you wait and you wait and you wait and they're like, oh, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. But you were, he was doing what they told him to. And he understood their shit more than they did. And he was still fucked up. And then so when he started to work with me, it took a lot of undoing and a lot of like slowly, slowly, like, you know, getting, getting to this, getting to that until he realized like you weren't doing anything wrong. You just, the thing you did wrong was you took the wrong advice, right? But people internalize that and make that about them. And then it's like, you, you don't feel good. You can't do the activities you want to do. And you're like, you're this, your identity is this injured person for like six or seven years. That affects, that affects somebody's whole being, right? So when we're putting these pieces of information out there, like, yeah, it's, it's like you can't put out a fucking research article every time you talk about something. But you need to be careful. You need to be cognizant. You need to be intentional. And, and remember, our first thing is do no harm, right? We're not doctors, but it's still our, our responsibility. It's still the exact same, do no harm, right? 100%, yeah. So, like, I, yeah. I forgot. What we, oh, Sepal Leopard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all foam rolling, all squat like this, and all... Again, foam rolling is a good tool. It's a neurological tool, but it's something we use for. I I usually use it for more advanced clients or for warm ups, just to kind of get some blood flow and get the body awareness there. But it's not like if I just gave you foam rolling, like that's pretty pretty negligent. Like that's not going to get you Very more. Negligent. I think it can help increase your your range of motion temporarily, so you can yeah. load those patterns. Like I, I think it can potentially like. You know, help with recovery and soreness, the research says, but you can't just have a one tool in your toolbox. You can't carry a foam roller to your office. <laughs> I see some people that do, though. Some people love that goddamn foam roller. Man, I and, did that uh, when I was working as a software engineer. I kept it in my bag. I never thought I was freaking crazy. That's like, that's okay. People, people wouldn't think we're crazy anyway. And I'm like, one, I'm one, first of all, like, people think that I'm against, uh, like, smashing your stuff or foam rolling or anything like that i'm not against it i just if you're doing something i want to make sure that you understand why you're doing it and like you just said from what we understand right now that foam rolling opens up a temporary window right it opens up a temporary window if you don't do something within that window then you have to ask yourself well how much benefit did that get me because if i foam rolled every single day on a um tight whatever muscle two years from now that muscle is still going to be tight, right? If I just used the foam roll and I didn't do anything else, it's not going to make me better. It's not going to physically change anything. It's going to give me a temporary window where I feel a little looser and I can move a little bit more in that area. But it's not, it's not going to give me the change I seek. And Dre uses this example often. I don't remember it exactly, but he was saying if, for example, this is what I don't like is I don't like when somebody has somebody foam roll and then go and go like right to a main lift or something. And I see it often. Like somebody like, oh, they try to squat 
see this a lot in CrossFit. Oh, I want to squat and start my wad, and oh, my, my ankles are tight or my something is tight. So they go on foam roll, and then immediately after foam rolling, they go and look and get under a loaded ass bar with like 315 pounds in there, and they start squatting, bam, bouncing down, bam, bouncing up and down. First of all, if you can't get to a position, there's a good reason your body's not letting you go there. That foam roller to some degree tricks your brain for some for like a small time. So if you've done that and then you you've opened up that range temporarily, what did you do to get that stuff, your brain, the muscles, the tissues in that joints prepared to handle all that load that you are now accepting at length, right? So like deep knee flexion in the bottom of a squat or like uh, a large degree of ankle dorsiflexion if you're doing a front squat. What did you do to prepare those tissues once you've opened up that range? And that's where FRC comes in, right? You open up the range, we train the range, we make the range strong. Then when you go do the stuff, it's prepared for the stuff you're asking it to do. Because if you just foam rolled it and then now you can get, like if you can't get to the bottom of your squat, you foam roll, you get to the bottom of your squat and you go load the bar, you're doing it wrong. You're skipping steps and it's not going to turn out well. I see, like, all 100% of the time, it's not going to turn out well. Like something bad is happening and something bad will happen in the future. Because all you're doing is trying to steal. You didn't work for it, but you want it, so you just stole it. Like if you steal, you can go to jail. Like that's, that's against the law. Don't steal. Same shit. Same shit with your body. But you'll be in a different type of prison. You'll be in a different type of jail, one that you built for yourself. And you can't necessarily like, you know, uh, get out of quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, people really need to see the the value in earning your progressions because it's a big thing yeah. too. You got you got to earn it. Like you got to earn your ranges. Like for me, like my ankles have been the biggest struggle, but you know, I, I'm slowly slowly improving them. What's that angle? No, just my dorsiflexion. I got really bad leverages for squatting, but like I'm doing my pails and rails, and it's paying off. But you really gotta like it was four years ago. I started. I stopped wearing my squat shoes. I was like, no, like why can't I just sit barefoot in a squat for twenty minutes? I'm just like. Like it's part oh, of the man. supple leopard. He just promotes those shoes, <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just like, I want. I was like, I don't care how much I squat. I just want to be able to sit at the bottom and have that that mobility. Before, so before we forget, on your ankle, have you checked your midfoot rotation? I might have with Byron the other day. I'd have to, I don't remember. Okay, make sure that you clear that midfoot rotation before you. A lot of times, one ankles are stubborn. Like ankles are really stubborn, and two, we the thing we forget with dorsiflexion is that midfoot has to rotate the you have to you have, you have to be able to pronate and able for that for you for to create space for that for those bones to come forward if that if your midfoot doesn't drop then you won't be able to access past the dorsiflexion to the degree that you need and we talk about rotation before linear except for in the spine and frs a lot in the ankle joint uh, it's a little bit different from the rest in terms of like we need rotation of the foot in order for ankle yeah dorsiflexion. there's a ton of art there's a ton of articulations in the ankle yeah but yeah, so like uh, my go-to for that is always like clearing up that midfoot before you work that ankle dorsiflexion. So you've been working on this uh, a long time. Like check that out for sure. Yeah, recently with my clients, I've been working on helping them reestablish that that foot hip control. So when their foot's actually pronating and supinating, their hips internally and externally rotating. Because I think like a lot of people too, you'll see when you're doing the ankle car and the assessment, there's a lot of gross compensation in that hip doing the work. Absolutely. Always. It's always. like in, in most that's, people. That's the most common. For the ankle, that's the most common thing I see is that is them trying to move the hip and then uh, the hip. And so if I like to teach ankle cars with a straight leg because one of the biggest compensations also from ankle uh, movement is the tibia, right? The rotation of the knee. A lot of people can't separate that. 
in the beginning and I want the task to be easy in the beginning. So when I first teach it, I always teach you with a straight leg because if the knee is locked out, then you can't rotate the tibia and you only have to think about the ankle. And then it's much more uh, obvious if you start to rotate that hip because now I just tell them there's a laser coming straight up from your knee. Don't let that laser move while you, while you move the ankle, right? And then in that way, they can start to ascertain what's what, delineate different motions, but... Yeah, so um, could you also break down a bit further into how, like, the FR system is really truly strength training at its core and some it of the, the key principles? Okay, so we uh, – do you do soft tissue work? Are you, are you... – I'm uh, currently in physiotherapy school, so I'm learning a bit okay. of it, but I'm, not, so, I'm not, not an expert yet. So, for, so what you – so then you should know is that the body of literature on, like, what happens when we do soft tissue stuff is not that great, right? And like what's really going on, you know, like we have to pull from different things like uh, cellular stuff, biology, physiology, all these neurology, all these things come into play and in terms of how we approach this. So there's not a lot of literature about like how do we see soft tissue stuff? It's like, you know, we do have a large, large amount of information and literature on strength training, though, on strength and conditioning. And strength and conditioning is about adaptation. <coughs> Excuse me. Strength and, strength and conditioning is about adaptation is about adaptation so what we're basically doing is adapting a part of our body to force we're adapting we want to create adaptations in the body there's a huge body of literature on strength and conditioning that tells us how to do that all frs did was take that combine it with with, with what they what we do know about soft tissue um and then um utilize that in in a systematic approach so because we considered mobility work to be the exact same thing as strength training there is no difference in terms of like how i do a program like i already knew how to do the program i just had to figure out what to program by based on learning about uh the joint stuff that frs teaches so in terms of like reps and sets um time under tension load progressing from like what contraction we use first um all these things are exactly the same thing that you would do in traditional strength training and for me so I, my strength and conditioning coach is actually from west side barbell and if you want to get strong, to me, the place you go is Westside. Um, they are, they are, they are the strength people. So I've really had the the great opportunity to learn from from her and utilize that with uh, with the joint stuff. So and their thought process is pretty much damn near the same with FRS, except that they deal with. Uh, compound movements and their specificity is more like a muscle group as opposed to like specific joint function. Um, so for example, first thing I do is if I want to get a shoulder strong, I first check, does that shoulder rotate? Does it flex? Does it do all the motions it does? Once it does that and it does that well, I start training that, I start training that thing to accept force. So if I'm thinking about shoulder flexion specifically, I might start, I've, I've already started doing isometrics in that range. Now that that range controls that isometric, well, I'm going to start to move past that range by actively using my stuff to take me past that range then I will start to cover more tissue by hovering over an object as opposed to just coming straight up because that's going to entail more use of the tissue. Then I will start to use eccentrics because if you start to think about um, in terms of tissue stress, that's a higher tissue stress. These other approaches that have led up to them have been less tissue stress. We slowly build in the tissue stress until we get to eccentrics. Once we've reached eccentrics, we know the eccentrics are, are the highest tissue stress of um, of that process after that i'm going to start to load that tissue but i don't load it with the eccentric i start to go back to the first thing i use which would be a passive range hold 
and then I would load the passive range hold. I would put weight on it. Then I would put weight on a passive range lift off. Then I would put, then I use weight on a hover. Then I would use weight on an eccentric. And after I've done all those things, then I adapt that joint to accepting force at velocity, which is a whole different story. And where West side stuff really comes a lot more into play in terms of accommodating resistance and building speed, because um, these things have a, an, an order. These things have a process you have to go through and people like to skip steps. We don't skip steps in the system. If you're truly doing the system, you don't skip steps. Like me, myself, I, I'm like, if, I don't know if you follow my Instagram, but lately I've been, I've been using uh, banded work for loaded eccentrics because I'm myself, I'm not at ballistic work for, for my shoulders or my hips yet, right? But I'm building my way up to that. We talked about this at the last summit in 2019. And I've been, so I've been, I've took that to heart and I've been building that out since that time. That's over a year. So you're talking about a person who does this every single fucking day. I coach people to do this every single day. I train every single day. I'm always moving my shit around. And it took me that long to feel comfortable start to build up to that accommodating resistance in that way. So people who just jump in fast and like, oh, I tried that FRC shit, but it fucked me up. No, you didn't try that FRC shit. You saw some shit that you thought was cool in FRC and you did it and you fucked yourself up because you didn't listen to the thought process. So don't blame FRC for that. Yeah, that, some of that is to do with, you know, a lot of social media people just see things and try things. Uh, it's definitely a hard system to implement on your own unless you like you've taken the course like it really is if, if you just see some exercises you can try it like if you see someone doing you know 99 rotations i'm sure you can do them but there's probably going to be a lot of compensation going along there this and this is the thing it's like it's not you don't come to F frc to learn exercises you come to learn the thought process right and that thought process is what informs the other stuff you do so when you just pick an exercise from a system or something that you see, you're greatly cheating yourself and, and you're not giving the thing you're doing the respect that it deserves. Um, people think that a joint circle is just a joint circle, but it's so much more. And it's like the only way for you to really understand this is to get with a real practitioner or go take the course yourself. And I've seen a lot of people who don't, who haven't done FRC, who haven't talked to FRC people, like start to teach FRC stuff. And it's just like, like you have no idea what you're doing you have no idea why you're doing it and like these people might feel something you might feel cool but you, like you should feel imposter syndrome and like in that case it's real because if you haven't studied it like you don't know and i talk to people all the fucking time who have taken it and just don't fucking get it they just don't fucking get it yeah i'm really looking forward to using it in my in my practice as a physiotherapist because i really want to I'm only going to do strength and conditioning and mobility stuff primarily. Like I'm trying to ideally avoid the hands on such as much as I have to because I really want to empower people to live well for the rest of their life. But a cool thing about the way I do it is because I have such a, a diverse background, like I started as a, as a yoga teacher with restorative yoga, and then I had my experience training in gymnastics. I've really taken a lot of things that I found worked and combined it with you know active range stuff and FRC and all that. So really... I have a big toolkit, but it's also about finding out what works best for, you know, the individual. Absolutely. And that's, that's the bigger, to me, that's the bigger service that we can give our people is we get so, all right, so I'll quick tangent again. So Chivers and FRA talks about systems thinking and how the brain is a lazy machine. And we start to look for patterns and we, for example, oh, he uses banana vomit. Banana and vomit have nothing to do with each other, with each other. unless like, uh, and this he gives a specific example, like unless you got drunk and ate a bunch of bananas and vomited it up, right? 
But now that I've said banana and vomit to you, your brain is starting to connect these things in some way without us being aware. Like, so now we're starting to look for connections between banana and vomit. Uh, that happens to us a lot in the therapy world or the training world. We're like, oh, glute max weakness causes low back pain. And you think about it on the surface, like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But you don't investigate it further. There's, no, there's nothing to indicate that that is true. Like, I have not read anything at all to suggest that's true, except for, like, third-hand information from some, like, expert trainers or expert therapists that are telling you it's true. We don't know that. Like, we can't prove that. We, but we've heard that a lot. So what we do is we start to say, oh, that kind of makes sense, and then we go with that. And it's the thing that we start doing. It starts to become our pattern, and we start to address that that way. But we, we, don't, like, we don't know that that's what causes that. And when we think about something, we need to look at it from fresh eyes every single time and doubt everything that, that is being presented to us because we need to flesh that out, and we need to figure out exactly what's going on. Yeah, and I think that, too, is like a lot of the times people don't – understand especially for the average consumer that a lot research has to be funded a lot of times like you won't always find research backing up your stuff like like there's people saying there's no research on frs and there's only some research a lot of the research on flexibility trainings from like the 60s or 70s and it's already using outdated stuff and then you'll just get a i'll get trolls on my page and be like oh you know frc and active range and you know you guys keep confusing the terms flexibility and mobility but a lot of people are just like don't understand like that oh there's no hasn't been research funded yet on something doesn't inherently make it false like you should really use that to be curious and learn about your body i'll say this like what precedes research results buddy like where does research come from from the shit that we start doing and thinking about first right ideas and thought like they precede research so if you're gonna stop and wait to do something until you've got like this fucking large body of evidence to of research to support what you're going to do when do you ever do anything like when did research ever proceed and like there was like for okay i'll take it this way did we start doing isometrics because we found it in the research no did we start doing isometrics like what is this shit this shit is cool let's research this right and then those same people i i would just flip it back on them okay so what do you do okay where's the, where's your research to support that and if, because like a lot of times they don't have the research that they're claiming that they want to see from you, right? And they don't have the results either. So when you flip around them, okay, well, what do you do? Okay, where's your research for that? And if they do have research, tear it apart, right? Like, like it's fuck, and like, I, this fucking just boggles my mind. Like, what do you want the research on? Like, do you want the research on isometrics? Do you want the research on static stretching? Do you want the research on uh, that, that, uh, was comp- was put together to to explain bioflow? Do you want to know the evolutionary part? Do you want to know the neurological part? Like which part exactly? Like do you want to know the packing order in terms of like what is it that you want to know? Which part do you want to cover? Oh, I didn't see cars in the research. It pales. You goddamn right because these are acronyms that Dre and fucking Chivers came up with. It's not, like fuck. God damn, this drives <laughs> me crazy. Man, this one guy. I'm not gonna mention his name, but he like called me out on his story, and he's like. Everyone unfollows guy. He follows a system that doesn't follow research, and he had like twenty thousand followers. I'm like, dude, why don't you just focus on helping some people instead of trolling me? Next time, send me that shit, bro. I will. I we'll send go troll his page right after we're done here. I'll message yeah. you. We'll go troll send the shit out of his page. I'm gonna fucking get. I hate shit. No, I think I know who you're talking about because that person has been on my page before. Oh, and I think you know too. I just don't want yeah. to give them the day, the time of yeah, day. No, I'm not gonna give that more for a time. Fuck him, man. <laughs> fuck his mom too. Fuck his mom too. I know you listen to this shit. 
you listen to whole, you listen, you, he listens to your shit religiously. And he's like, oh, wait, write that down. I don't know if that's all right. He's sitting, yeah, he's sitting around petting his cats trying to talk, <laughs> shit to, talk to you about. Shut the fuck up, man. So uh, I want to finish off here with some rapid fire questions. I'm just going to ask you some, you know, questions people can get to know you. So how do you find work-life balance without losing sanity and feeling guilty? I don't, if we're being honest. Um, until shelter in place, I worked too much. I always felt guilty and I didn't have a balance. Shelter in place has really um, brought it back to me, though. It's like I'm getting to spend so much time with my kids now. and um, Yeah, I've seen and that. They're, going, they're doing a lot of mobility together, which is sick. Yeah. And my wife is much happier, you know, and um, I've always sort of lied to myself. And I was like, well, you know what I do helps people. And that's important, too. But in reality, like I'm horrible at finding balance between work and, and everything else. And I feel guilty all the time. Um, but, you know, yeah. As long as you're happy, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to be better at that. And if my, my plan going forward is like to set a cap in terms of how many sessions I will take a week. And I'm going to stop putting people on my waiting list because um, it just becomes stressful. Like I have a full load and I have a, like a, a waiting list that people pay to be on. And like, it makes me feel like I have to work more. So I'm just going to like, I'm only on the floor this many hours. I'm only, um, I'm only creating content this many hours. And then, you know, so when stuff goes back to, uh, if it ever goes back to normal, that's what I'm going to do. But for now, like my main focus is family and driving that membership for the upgrade guys. And I'm, it's much easier for me to find balance that way. Yeah, for those of you to hear, check definitely check out. He's got online Zoom classes that you can do, which are pretty sick. I'm gonna try one probably maybe in the next yeah, few well, weeks. Yeah, you gotta get in there, man. Get yeah, for sure, there. for sure. So, what are some other things you like to to pair your mobility with? Like me, for example, like if it's like the nighttime and I don't feel like doing it, I'll just throw in a show, give myself thirty minutes, and just kind of do something at double tasking that. I audible. Yeah. Audible or podcast, and then I just and then so. Just like you, it's usually at the end of the night when when the kids and my wife are asleep, and like that's my time to catch up on shit I need to catch up on. So I will like I'll either have read the so like I always keep so I keep a bunch of research that I'm always trying to I'm always you know because it's so so much of it is like always available. So like we always have to be looking at it, right? So I try to do at least twenty minutes a day of that, and then like I'll put on an audible podcast or something else I want to learn about, and then I'll just get on the floor and just start doing whatever I need to do in terms of mobility work. So for me, my left hip or IR is not where I want it to be. So I'm always going in on that and then internal rotation on my right shoulder and also a straight leg hip flexion of my left hip. So those are my main priorities in terms of um, uh, in, in getting more. So I will hit those first and then I will go to wherever I need to go. I just do more cars or whatever it is I need to do. You know, I think that's really the biggest takeaway for those of you who listened this far into the episode is to really just, you know, get a piece of paper and just write down the four areas that you feel the stiffest for you and just nail the shit out of those and just work 100%. on them, hammer it down. 100%. So I always tell people like, so also like there's signal and there's noise, right? So in your body, you got to figure out what the signal is and attack the signal and go hard on it. If you want change for those things, you got to figure out what the signal is and give it a lot of inputs a lot of times a day for a long period of time consistently if you really want true change. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, it's been great having you here, man. Definitely want to jump on a live class soon. Can you let the for followers sure. know where they can connect with you, where they can get on that potentially waiting list if you still got one? For sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Nat underscore A underscore what, Nat or what. And you can find me at The Upgrade Guys. 
also on Instagram, or actually the Upgrade Guys across all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, and we have a website, theupgradeguys.com, where we have a monthly mobility membership for $30 a month. You have access to all previous classes. You have 15-minute mobility snacks, and we uh, have a private Facebook group. We also put bonus content where we break down thought process. We answer any questions you have, and you have access to us. In time, that's going to be a really huge resource because we're just going to continue to add to it. We're just going to charge one monthly fee. You can also buy everything else a la carte there that you like. Awesome. And you know what they say, make that shit move well. Make that shit move well. Thanks so no much doubt. for coming on, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Desk Bound Therapy Podcast. Take a second, leave me a five-star comment and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know your thoughts about the show, what you like best, and who you'd like me to have on 